0: The reading for today is from Luke chapter 10, verses 21 to 37. At that time, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father, No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see the things you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things that you see but didn't see them, to hear the things you hear but didn't hear them. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked them. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on olive oil and wine, then put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. And Jesus told him, Go and do the same.
1: on here and out there we're all good okay yes it's supposed to be Isaac up here today I'm sorry to disappoint you but uh, he phoned me late on Friday and said I'm feeling a bit crook Uh, can I let you know tomorrow if I'm up to preaching or not and I said yeah that's fine and uh, and so here we are and you probably wonder how long does it take to write a good sermon and um, you're about to find out that it takes a little bit more time than I put in but I'm indebted to um, my old boss and friend Simon Manchester for some of his thoughts about this parable uh, from uh, Luke chapter 10 and throughout uh, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel is just an account of Jesus' life which Luke wrote, Um, Jesus has been speaking of the kingdom and he's been demonstrating to all the authority that he has in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of this earth and he's been demonstrating that by his authority over the wind and the waves and so on and so on. And he's been speaking to them. Now there were many, many people that flocked to hear Jesus. Flocked to hear him speaking. Maybe they flocked to him because it was a popular thing to do. Or maybe they were enthralled by what he had to say or by the miracles that he was performing. Maybe they, they thought, well look, I've got a need, I've got a problem, I've got a sick child. I need to go to him. They were, they were buzzing around him. And uh, Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God and Luke tells us and Matthew tells us also that uh, he spoke in parables Uh, and these are stories as we uh, looked at last week that have an earthly understanding but a deeper heavenly meaning as well. He spoke to them in parables in a sense to sift out the people in the crowd that really wanted to know more about him. And more about the kingdom of God. Because most of them were just there for the ride. Most of them were just there for the buzz. So these stories, these parables, are stories for the hungry. That they would understand more of the kingdom of God. And when they came to Jesus and listened, they were taught. And they understood things of not earthly things but things of the kingdom of God. That's in fact what Jesus said uh, in uh, chapter 10, verse 22, uh, which David read out. Uh, Those things that I've received, I've received all things from my Father and I've been giving them to you. No one knows the Father except the Son, Jesus says, that's him, and also those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus said that the things of God, his Father, were granted to the weak little children rather than the wise, powerful, influential and religious, educated, religious people of this world. And Jesus turns to his disciples and said to them privately, blessed are your eyes that see and your ears that understand the things of the kingdom of God. Because there are prophets and kings, wise and well You know, influential people that would like to know but don't, would like to hear and understand but don't. And then Luke records such a person, such a wise, influential, religious person that comes to Jesus, an expert in the law, and he comes to Jesus to test him. And of course we uh, are confronted now with the story that Jesus uh, told him. Uh, The parable, if you like, the story of the Good Samaritan. Now if you were to ask a lot of people... In this world uh, what this is all about they'll say if you're good you'll get to heaven okay and a lot of people in the church will say if you're good you'll get to heaven the thing with this story is and we and often we don't see it and I, I know I didn't for quite some time this is actually a this is not an inspirational talk it's a demolition of this guy's pride because he along with all of us Think, we can actually do this. We can be the good person. We can be the good Samaritan. We can do the golden deed. We can do something good every day. Uh, I was uh, at the shops yesterday um, with uh, Sally and uh, there was a lady in front of us and she went through and she walked off and I noticed that she left something behind. So I I ran after her and she she came back and we sorted it all out. She actually... um, it sort of got lost in things and she hadn't paid for it so she paid for it and, and then she said, oh you've done your good deed for the day. And I, I said, well, uh, well it wasn't all that great, in fact it's just a very poor reflection of Jesus who's kind to us all. And she said, that's right. Like, back to me, you know, that's right, she was actually a Christian. And it's like, so we could get into a discussion about all these things. And I said to her, actually, I'm talking on the Good Samaritan tomorrow morning. And I'm thinking in my head, hey, now I've got an illustration to use, because, like, I'm making this all up. No, I'm not really. Uh, Anyway, she says, where do you preach Uh, to Gabby? She's actually at Carlingford. So I said, say hello to Raj for us. Uh, Hello, Raj. And um, you see, that's the thing. You've done your good deed for the day actually I said to her if I was the good Samaritan I not only would have called you back but I would have paid for your things and not you paid for them Uh, because God's love and this uh, mercy that this guy shows is far greater than this but a lot of people think well you just be a good person and God will let you into heaven it's something that we can easily do it's something that's possible for us to do and at one level yes it is and yes, we should be uh, kind and caring. The world should be a caring place. Absolutely. That's the way God has wired us. But what this story shows us is that the challenge is much deeper. And uh, the expert in the law thinks, well, I can do this. Uh, but we can't, actually, as we, as we look at it more deeply. I want us to see that, we, that there's a test here in this passage that none of us can pass... But I want us to see here that there's a love in this story that none of us can match and then I wanted to end up with the life uh, that we uh, all need so firstly the test that none of us can pass an expert in the law that is the Old Testament law comes to Jesus verse 25 to test him it's sort of like to put him to the test He's not coming as a disciple wanting to know more. He's coming as an antagonist to trip Jesus up. That's, 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 the, that's the setting. It's important for us to understand what's going on. Pardon me. He comes to Jesus to, to put him to the test and then Jesus tells him a story about being good. Well, what's going on here? Uh, he's, this guy's not a disciple, he's not a sincere seeker, he's not in uh, wanting to understand a deeper knowledge of, of Jesus and the love of Jesus. He's, cert, he's, he's trying to get anything one up on Jesus. But he asks a very interesting question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a very interesting question. I don't know if you've thought about the question much. But think about inheritance. Is that something that you earn? Or something that's given to you? Think about it. We all know you don't earn that inheritance. Someone else has earned that money. Someone else has built that house. Someone else owned that car or that jewellery or whatever it might happen to be. Someone else has done it. And they in their kindness have said, you can have that. You can have that. It's not something that we earn. So just, I just want to make that like... It's an odd question because he's asking, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's an odd question. Anyway, he's, uh, Jesus says, wisely, uh, points this man who's an expert in the law. Jesus actually points him to the law, verse 26. It says, well, you're the expert in the law. What does the law say about how to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law? How do you, or how do you read it? How do you read the law? Now, by that stage in the Jewish history, they had understood the law to mean this is something that we've got to keep in order to get to heaven. So Jesus is actually going to start a demolition work on this man's thinking... And he does it by saying, well, what does the law say? And the man says, well, love God and love your neighbour, verse 27. And of course, that is quite right. Jesus says, quite right, yes, you've answered correctly. That's what it says. And then Jesus says, well, just go out and do it then. If that's how you inherit eternal life, well, off you go. Go out and do it. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbour as yourself. Off you go. And you'll have eternal life. Just obey it. You're the teacher of the law. Off you go. Now I need to underscore again that the law in the Old Covenant, and we just finished a series in Deuteronomy, where we underscored this many times. The law was given not to make people good to get to heaven. God had rescued them and saved them. And then as his family, as his children said, this is how I want you to live. Sadly, they'd twisted it and turned it round by Jesus' day. But the law was there to show them God's character, how they were to live. But as the, the people of God went on, they just couldn't keep it. They couldn't keep it. We can't keep it. And so the law also served to show us, and to show them, and to show us, we need a rescuer. We need a deliverer. We need someone who can forgive us. We need someone who can fix us. So the law sort of functions as quite a few different, in quite a few different ways to help us to understand we need God to do a new work in us. And even Moses in Deuteronomy 30 uh, says, yeah, one day God's going to change your heart. Ezekiel says, one day God's going to change your heart. Jeremiah says, one day God's going to change your heart. One day there's going to be a new covenant I'm going to make with my people, God says. It's not going to be like the old covenant written on stone tablets. It's going to be a covenant written, my law will be written in their heart. And they will be inclined to keep the law. They will be inclined to love me. This is what we need. And the law functions to show us our great need of Ultimately, our great need of Jesus. So when Jesus says to the guy, go out and do it, the man really should have said, I can't. I can't do that. I can't love God. I can't love my neighbour as I should. And that's where he should have gone with it. But what does he do? In order to justify himself, in order to make himself look good, in order to maybe deflect the heat that he might have been feeling, he, he goes on to say, Well, you know, uh, who is my neighbour then? Uh, what am what, what, what I supposed to do with this? Why does he ask this? Who's my neighbour? Verse 29. Maybe it's because there are so many people out there to care for. I don't know who they are. Please narrow it down for me, God, uh, Jesus. Maybe the expert in the law is saying to Jesus, this whole thing, love your neighbour, is all a bit too vague. You're talking about my family. You're talking about my wife. You're talking about my kids. You're talking about my work colleagues. You're talking about my Israelite uh, nation. Uh, You're talking about you know, the unbelieving world. Who is this? What is this? But maybe behind this he's just wanting to go, tick the box, I've done that, I have cared for that person. And so Jesus tells this story to really humble this guy and really to humble us too before God. He does not need more books, he does not need any more education this guy does not need,, you know, more motivational talks. He doesn't need more boundaries. He doesn't need to be narrowed things to be narrowed down as to who his neighbor. What he does need is humility before Jesus to say, "I cannot love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and with all my strength. And I cannot love my neighbor as I should, as I do myself. Please forgive me, please help me please change me, please fix me. So here we see there's a test that no one can pass. You think you can pass this test? Please come and talk to me afterwards because I'll put you on the care team and I'll give you some people that you can talk to and visit and meet up with and love and care for. We all struggle with this. And like the rich young ruler that came to Jesus who did not fall on his knees and say, I can't love God, I can't love my neighbour like I should, he went away. We need to come and say, this is a test I can't pass. I need your help. Well, to the love that none can match. Here's a parable, here's a story. I can give it to you quite briefly a man lies bruised, beaten, left for dead on the side of the road. Two religious leaders come up towards the guy, see him cross the road, do nothing. They deliberately avoid the man. And then a man whom actually people despised in the Israelite community, a Samaritan, turns up. In. Huge difference to the religious dudes that had gone on before. He unbelievably goes over to the guy and is incredibly generous in rescuing and then providing for him, not only just for the immediate need, but for future needs as well. What's the message of the parable? We don't need to spend a lot of time on a lot of detail. That, I think, would just muddy the whole thing. We don't need a big sermon about where Jerusalem is, Jericho is, who the priests are, who the Levites are, what the importance of oil or wine is or anything like that. We just need to say very simply that Jesus is saying two religious men don't really care because the law does not make you into a lover. You can be as religious as you like, you can know the Bible back to front, but you can still be a person who does no compassion on other people. And that's what we see here. And that's this guy's problem too, because he is a law man. But he's not a love man. And Jesus says in this story, along comes one whom they all despised. They hated these Samaritans. But he himself is not a hater. He is one who has remarkable love for this man who has been beaten and robbed that was left on the side of the road. And he shows that love and compassion again and again again. And again, it goes beyond what would have been considered sufficient. The religious dudes, if you like, are running on empty in terms of compassion. This guy who was despised, the Samaritan, seems to have been overflowing with love. This is the story that Jesus is telling. And we see it like his love and compassion all through this, first of all he has compassion, his heart is deeply affected, verse 33, he takes pity on this guy who's left on the side of the road, he goes to him, which is dangerous, he touches him, he bandages him, which is risky, he puts him on his donkey, which means then he has to walk, that's amazing, he goes to the inn, to the hotel, you know, if you like, or or, I don't know, medical place, if if you want, who gives him care, that's that's beyond normal and then he he gets his wallet out and says like for whatever needs this guy needs in the now and in the future here's my money and I'll be back to make sure I pay the bill uh, in the future that's just extraordinary and this is part of the test that that Jesus puts this guy through and that's why I'm saying and I'm sort of going backwards and forwards here that's what I'm saying we we can't like we don't love like this I know I don't I struggle enough with the people I know and care for, let alone a stranger. Not even a stranger. What about the people that I despise or you despise? Do, do we seriously love like this? We struggle to love even the people that are lovely to us and loving to us. But here we see a love that no one can match. And not only do we see that, we see again the test that none of us can pass Jesus asked this guy which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who'd fallen into the hands of robbers?" you ask who's my neighbor which of these three do you reckon and the guy probably can't even say the word Samaritan because <laughs> they hated them the man who showed mercy on him was his reply the teacher of the law had come to test Jesus. Then he tried to justify himself. He tried to set the boundary of his love. Which ones are they? So I can tick them off and say, I've done that. But Jesus is not about doing some sort of inspirational talk. It's all about demolishing this guy's thinking and understanding. Jesus effectively says, forget about limiting your numbers. Forget about working out who you should be nice to or who you don't have to be nice to. (laughs) Forget about how many people that you should look after and forget how many people out there that you think, oh, I don't need to look after them. Have we understood that none of us can pass this test, that none of us can love as is shown here. But the question is, have we become such a new person? Have we come to Jesus and asked him to forgive and to fix us? And have we come to ask him to change us? This story, this account, is not about, well, just be a better person. That is horrible moralism. Because none of us can be good enough for God. But what we do need is to fall on our knees before Jesus. Because we're not good at compassion. We're not good at crossing boundaries like this Samaritan Samaritan did. We're not good at... Giving up of our time to our, at our own expense, we're not giving up good at giving up I'm speaking personally, our own money at our own expense for others whom we don't even care for, or who don't even know us or care for us. We're not good at providing for other people, past, present and future. We're just not really good at it. Oh, we might love and care for people that are close to us, but. <laughs> that, we're falling into that problem again. Oh, well, they're my neighbours. Well, who is your neighbour? Well, guess what? It's opened up. And ironically, friends, we find ourselves in this story not to be the good Samaritan ourselves. we find ourselves in this story being the one on the side of the road who's been beaten and left waiting for one who will come to heal to care and to provide ironically There is one in this story who comes alongside, one who is actually despised and who enters into the mess. He's not like the religious leaders, but he enters into the mess. He enters into our mess and I'm speaking, of course, of the one who's telling this story, Jesus who enters our mess, who cradles our head, who binds up our wounds, who provides for our needs and who cares for us and provides for us now and will do so into the future. And until we see the compassion of Jesus and the mercy of God in his Son expressed in this story, we will not see our great need for him because we will think we can do it ourselves, just that golden deed every day. And we're right. No, we can't live like that because we need the help of the Lord. We need forgiveness. We need him to fix. We need Jesus. We need the life. That is the life we need. And this parable, I think, really pushes us. It certainly has pushed me in ways that it hadn't in the past. To see my great need before Jesus, to see his immense compassion to me, such a needy person. And the man, well, he should have really fallen on his knees and so should we. Will you forgive me for not loving God as I ought and our neighbour, my neighbour as I should? And will you fix me? This parable is a demolition parable. Not a motivational parable it demolishes our pride it should do for we need to kneel before the one who is the actually the one and only good Samaritan that is Jesus he is the great provider he is the one whose compassion is huge beyond any that we could ever imagine And he is the only person who has got deep compassion for wounded people, for needy people, for people like us. And he not only crosses the road to meet the needs of us, he crosses the universe to meet our need. Not only now, but for all of eternity. And Jesus is in the life-changing business And until we come before him acknowledging our our bankruptcy and, and, and seeing his love for us, we will never be able to go out to show that love to other people. Because we'll just be thinking, well, I just need to do this golden deed to get to heaven. Wrong. We can't. But having Jesus filled us with his love and compassion, so we go out, not with empty hearts, but with overflowing hearts, as we ask, please forgive me, please fix me, please help me in order that I would be the person in your world, not perfect, but new, and loving each and loving others as Jesus has loved us. So, this, does this parable take the bite out of, oh, well, we don't have to care for others? No way. If anything, it ramps it up even more as we see the love of God for us, for you, for me. And so this parable, uh, friends, should bring us to our knees, not to frantically do more. Uh, I was given this, uh, it landed yesterday, but I think I would have been tempted to, to read on. After this because guess what happens Luke records straight after this uh, the situation where there's Martha and Mary with Jesus and what's Martha doing she's doing lots of stuff she's running around he's doing this you know she's getting that out and what's Mary doing she's listening at the feet of Jesus who gets commended in that in that account it's Mary who's listening to Jesus and drinking him in rather than Martha who has been distracted by doing, doing, doing. So it's really interesting how Luke has stitched these together to again highlight our need to fall on our knees before Jesus. Please forgive me. Please fix me. Please change me. Demolish my pride. Fill me with your love. And help me to go out in thankfulness to Jesus, who's crossed the universe to serve us with a new heart to love others. There's so much more to be said, that time has gone, but like who who in your sphere do you struggle in loving? Who do you hate? Do you hate someone? Have they hurt you so much? Do you despise people? Brothers and sisters, we know this ought not to be because we know that's not how God has treated us. This parable should take us on our knees. And then we should lift ourselves up and go out to love as we've been loved.